0: Welcome to the Mike Quirk Podcast. Now give me my theme music. This series is brought to you with the help of PST Sport. PST Sport is a design and build specialist contractor focusing exclusively on the design and construction of artificial grass pitches and supporting infrastructure for soccer, GAA, rugby, hockey and tennis. PST's portfolio includes over 50 FIFA certified artificial grass pitches, as well as multiple pitches tested and approved for World Rugby, GAA and FIH standards. PST Sports have done over 500 artificial grass pitches for clubs, schools, colleges and local authorities in Ireland and the UK for all different sporting codes. Visit pstsport.com for more details. Okay, welcome welcome again everybody. Um, I suppose last week was our, was our first one of the second series and, and this time I'm delighted to welcome uh, Fionn Fitzgerald. Uh, I suppose he'll be best known to people from from his role in his days playing with Kerry, captaining Kerry to the last All-Ireland before this one in, in 2014. Um, obviously, a Dr Croak's man below in Kerry and has won plenty with them and, and is now a lecturer in, in MTU Kerry, uh, working in the Health and Leisure Department. So, um, Fionn, great to have you on, man. Delighted to be able to talk to you.
1: Thanks, Mike. Um, a nice initiative too as well. I really am. Um... I like the the connection with a charity as well. So hopefully, obviously, coaches can benefit out from it, but um, and parents as well. But also that there's a a, a few bobbing earned as well. So yeah, yeah thank for you.
0: sure. So. And I, and I would have said that, you know, last week, and I'll say it again at the end of this one, Les, that that is the two kind of dual purposes, I suppose. One, we, we definitely want to provide some, some good content for for coaches and, and hopefully that we can improve what they're doing. Um, sort of the kids are getting a little bit more out of it. But also, as John as mentioned, um, there's a charity element to it and a fundraising element, which I'm, I'm trying to raise a few quid for um, Recovery Haven and Tralee, who are an organization who provide free cancer support services for the people of Kerry. Uh, so again, like I would have said last week, if if you do find value in, in uh, in the episodes, that it would be great, obviously, to find a link in the podcast description below or on my Twitter page at Mike Quirk and and throw a couple of euros in there. It's going, it's all going to a very very worthy cause. To be fair, um, so Fionn, just I suppose to as a, as a little bit of context to, to get started, man. Um, your playing days, obviously, we're not going to spend you know too much time because this is about maybe the research that you're looking at and and how fascinating that is from a coaching point of view, but. Has, was your research in any way informed by your 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 playing days or your experiences as a as a youngster
1: um it certainly was mike i think yeah um ultimately i suppose the type of stuff i am researching which we'll probably talk about a little bit more soon is um i can trace a lot of and relate a lot a lot of this back to maybe my own underage career um not just in football but in in other sports as well so um i think yeah i think it's the the curiosity from playing and as I got older, and then obviously studying studying different areas and different parts, I suppose kind of broad about this, really, essentially. Yeah. So it's yeah. a bit of both, a little bit of both.
0: Yeah. So I suppose for people that aren't aren't aware, Phil, you're you're also a PhD candidate and you're looking, your research is is particularly around the age of are the, the kind of topics of biobanding and relative age, relative age effect and and, and the physical maturation rates. Now for for most. Under sevens, nines, tens, fifteen coaches. That that doesn't sound like a, it. It means a whole pile. So maybe maybe you could give us a kind of an overview of 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 what it is you're looking at really in a research context.
1: Okay, so basically, like previously at undergrad level and masters, I had looked at relative age effect, which essentially some would be aware of it. A lot of parents, when you discuss it, or coaches will be familiar. So the idea of when it, when a player is born. So for example, Johnny is born in. Um, January and in a under 14 age group, there's someone else born maybe in December, so that that whole maybe 11 month uh, difference or 12 month difference that can go on. So, that was something I found quite interesting. And we found, obviously, going back maybe 10 years ago, or so that it, similar to a lot of other sports, there was a, a big, I suppose, bias towards people born earlier in the year, and um, particularly at, um, we'll say elite level or selection squads and so on. And that's that's across the board in, in sport um so that was one kind of starting point but the, what we're kind of looking at a little bit more in detail now is looking at the um the effects of maturity so looking at uh growth and maturity so maturity is 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 kind of coming from the idea of people um developing towards a, an adult state or or so on um at different rates or different stages so for argument's sake your 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 relative age effect at the under 14 example you could have anything up to maybe 11 or 12 months difference between Johnny and, and and somebody else. Whereas when we look at maturity, which we kind of found very, very interesting, we're looking at it from the point of view of somebody who could be up to five or six years of a difference but, uh, biologically or body-wise. So I suppose a lot of coaches and parents probably can relate to the idea of maybe seeing a an underage game um, at, at, in, in various different sports, whereby you see this massive variance in that. And just a little bit, I suppose, more on the kind of, the differences between uh, relative age and maturity because they kind of get a little bit confused and complicated at times, <clears> and it's probably important to kind of differentiate them a little bit. Is that like a- age differences are there from a very young age, so from primary school, um, and they they can transfer along the way right up to business um, at at adult level and so on um, in in politics, uh, in various different sporting contexts. Maturity becomes a, a significant factor around the the time of of puberty. OK, or the, the famous growth spurt. And that's something we'll probably chat a little about soon. And that differs in boys and girls. So in girls, you're talking about maybe 12 and a half years of age in, in boys around 14 years of age. So essentially, what we're looking at in particular was was the difference in maturity rates um at uh, in, in, a, in a boy capacity or in a male perspective. So that's that's essentially I don't know if I explained it well enough there, but that's the, the, the starting point for where we came at.
0: Yeah, like that that one, you know that, and everyone heard that story about the father who the kid was getting born there in the last couple of days of December and mm. bribing the midwife to try and change the date of birth to the 1st of January or something because, and, and that's an old wives tale, obviously, but it's a—it's—it's the fact that it's more advantageous if you're born in early January as opposed to born in in, uh, in late December because you're, it's almost like you're getting an extra year at that age grade, really.
1: Yeah, statistically speaking, like there, there's no getting away from that. If you're born earlier in the year, there is a higher chance uh, in, in a lot of sports for sure. Um, so that's one one end. But as I said, that that's already there. And it's like you, you'll find relative age effects now if you looked at it under 17, or say under seven, under eights, under nines. Whereas the, what we've learned from other sports and it's something we were interested in looking at in a Gaelic uh, perspective, because it hadn't really been looked at from there, is that maturity biases tend to kick in. Um, you'll see a lot of the English academies they 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 take age and maturity, and they, they assess them throughout. There's maybe not much of a maturity bias along the way, and then you're coming to maybe under twelve under thirteen in boys, and all of a sudden you see this huge um bias towards early maturing players. So in other words, they go through this um growth spurt, accelerated growth spurt. um and there's massive changes that goes on. So there's a, like for males there's a huge increase in testosterone. Um obviously that's going to lead to increase in muscle mass um hu- hugely around that time. And you're going to have maybe differences in the likes of strength, power, speed. It's it's normally quite obvious to see when you yeah. when you actually when you look back at it in hindsight. So there's a lot of anecdotal experience here, but we wanted to kind of delve into it a little bit more and, and understand. So we'll probably talk a little bit more about some of the effects that we saw, and maybe that's that's out there in, in other sports and see how it can kind of relate back to coaches and parents as well. Like
0: yeah, yeah, and 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 that's probably the key thing is how how it does relay back to you know coaches and parents. The video I, I was looking through your presentation there, and and we might I'll be able to stick it up and stick up a link to this um, to the video as well. But the video of the rugby player, I'm not sure where he was from there's obviously some age grade under 12s or 14s or whatever. And you, you'd probably know where it's from, but, uh, and the guy was obviously within the same age grade and he looked like he was probably about four or five years younger or older. Excuse mm-hmm. me. He looked like John Lomu back in the yeah, day. That's running exactly true guys. Looks. Um And that's, that's the the maturity or the physical maturity. When you're talking about maturity, are you talking about more the physical than, than anything else in the context that you're speaking?
1: Yeah. I probably should explain it a little bit more. So, like analogy, you sometimes with coaches is maybe like thinking of a, a fruit or something like that. So you're looking at maybe something like bananas. So you'd have different levels of bananas in relation to ripeness, that type of idea or a tomato, like someone might have a, a green tomato versus a, a I suppose a, a very, an extreme red tomato, that type of an idea in relation to maturation is, is the physical aspect. First of all, that we're looking at, but like it comes in loads of different, um, in, in loads of different forms. So you have dental maturation, sexual maturation, uh, Psychosocial maturation. There's loads of different aspects of it, but the physical one is the one which is extremely prominent. Um, around um peak height velocity are also known as the the growth spurt. So, like you, you're go you you are going to see if you go to maybe an under fourteen or fifteen game, you're you're probably going to see your early maturing players uh, running the show for want of be a better word in in the, in most uh kind of field sports anyway. So they're going to be physically stronger. They can jump faster. They can run faster. They're running through players. Um, you know, they they're they're normally, as I said, running or bossing the game to an extent. And mm-hmm. uh I I'll, I'll give you a few examples of that as, as we go along as well. But um, so so that's kind of the 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 you asked me earlier about did it was it informed by my underage career or whatever. It was because part of this is looking at it from a participation point of view, and part of it's looking at it from a performance point of view. Mm-hmm. From a participation point of view, you're looking at trying to keep everyone playing as long as they possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um and Maturity has a significant effect in both the male and the female population. Um, we are talking maybe 13 to 17 years of age. That's the key, they're the key ages where a lot of people are dropping out. Yeah. And there's different changes going on. And then the second part of it is performance-wise. So how many how many superstars that ran the show for want to a better word at 13, 14, 15 are mm. struggling when they get when they get to maybe 16, 17, minor level, if you want to call it that? Yeah. Um, and possibly haven't transferred their so-called potential which arguably now, when you look back in it or look at it now, may have been skewed from a supporter parent or coach's point of view by their physical prowess. Mm. So maybe they necessarily didn't have the, the technical or tactical skills or psychological skills, but they were just highly heavily reliant on their physical skills. So there's two of them. You're, there's the early mature and the late mature. So you're, you're kind of looking at, are you doing the early mature the service? if you let him run the show? Um, for want of a better word, and and be the main guy and 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 I suppose run through the middle and uh, you know, make it into a real physical type of game, um, and not work on other aspects of the game. And then the late maturing guy, like he's going to, he's probably going to need something special to say in the system or to really stick with it at times. So you, you kind of have to look at it. Do you want to get the best out of both of them? And and we'll talk about maybe strategies around that yeah. later on, like.
0: And and so just to make it really really simple and understandable for people, when you're talking about early maturers, you're talking about those those kids that are more physically developed than everybody else at the same age grade. They're the ones that that physically dominate games, whether it's basketball or football or soccer. Doesn't matter. They're the, they're the ones that are dominating and that look like they're a cut above everybody else simply because they're more powerful. Maybe their skills aren't as refined as other people, but but they their size is such an advantage that they're the ones that really stand out at that age grade. That's when we're talking about, you know, early, early matures, early developers, that's, that's really what you're talking about. Isn't
1: it? It is, I suppose, but I suppose I just have to kind of premise this with the fact that like not everyone that's advanced in their maturity is necessarily very physical. So for argument's sake, like at under 14, you probably realistically were an early mature, I'd imagine. I probably wasn't, but like at the end of the day, like we can kind of predict roughly where they're going to end up. Um, we can estimate where they're going to be at. We'd we'll say final adult height, which is one of the big mature the maturity um indices we use. Mm-hmm. And with with that in mind, basically um yeah, that's that's kind of where we're coming at from from that point of view. So it like it, it's not as simple always. as just eyeballing and say oh the big guys are, are running the show. They're the the earlier matures and so on. Because we had a couple of opposite examples of that as well. So right. that's why I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about the actual measuring, getting the the, the player's heights and weights calculating where they're at based on their with their parents information and so on that's what gives us real uh information that we can properly work off uh, whereas other times maybe you're, you're eyeballing it and so on but i suppose it is probably relatively fair to suggest that the early maturing guys are in general the more the more advanced or yeah
0: yeah yeah i'm just trying to i was just trying to get my head around it in in a in a in a simple context yeah and and the research thing that you're doing that's informing this on a kind of a quantitative level like you're you're looking at um and it's not again this isn't about development squads this is just about trying to get a group of 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 people that will give you the results and the the numbers that you're looking at but your your research is looking a little bit at at development squads and and different things there
1: yeah so basically like we went to the sea right was there was there like so just to kind of set the context once again? Like a, a lot of research has been done in the likes of soccer, so there's very little been done. Uh, when I say soccer, I'm on about Premier League soccer, um, in particular, there's a lot of work on in around growth and maturation over the last maybe 10 or 15 years in their academy setting. Um, and then there are other sports like rugby, maybe has done some research and so on, whereas there's, there's been nothing kind of published on in Gaelic games, and right. I suppose it being the the most um popular sport in ireland and be so big in ireland that you know at the end of the day a lot of this these rules are fairly easily applied in in, in different uh contexts so we wanted to see whether there a maturation bias in at academy level so we used the kerry uh development squads or academy squads and we used um the some of the cork squads and basically we wanted to see positive maturity bias there and i suppose to to look at it just to, to answer that mildly the answer is there's an extremely strong bias towards early maturing players out of i think around 250 players that we um we got players so players heights and weights and um along with their parents heights were able to predict where they're at in their stage of of uh biological maturation so in other words we use their predicted adult height to see if johnny is at 90 percent of his his predicted adult height or 95 and so on and we found essentially that at under 14, 15 and 16, that maturity biases were very, very significant. There was only one late maturing player out of the 250 players. So it was, it was mainly either early maturing players or players that were that were on time.
0: Right, yeah. That's fairly overwhelming.
1: Yeah, but I mean, uh, just to give a little bit of context on it, like that's consistent with what you'll see in the Premier League. So we'll say one of my supervisors, uh, Sean Cumming, so um, I have I've three supervisors, two in UL, Mark Campbell who I've done a lot of my research previously on relative age and Phil Kearney uh, a carryman, actually who's um would be big in researching around the coaching side of things basically Sean coming from the UK um from University of Bath he does a lot of work with the premier league clubs so we got like modeling some of the work that we're doing in Gaelic games and 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 what they've learned over the over the water and essentially what they found is it's something very similar in like to Southampton um Arsenal, Bournemouth, a lot of the clubs that he would have been involved with, so it's not it's nothing majorly different. And actually, Liam Sweeney, um, who's doing a PhD in a very similar area to myself, um, has published recently on the in in an Irish context, um, in an FAI scenario. So he's used the the Irish uh, soccer teams and we say the underage teams as well. So quite similar there, really, from the yeah. from the maturity point of view.
0: Yeah, and and understandable, obviously, because these are the fellows that are going to be. The best players, when you are watching an under fourteen game, an under fifteen game, they're, these are the, most of the guys that are going to be dominated in those games. So it's obviously easier to to get selected or to get picked on these different sides. But it, it, therein, I suppose lies a difficulty for coaches as well, like in in terms of like you know. How how are you going to and, and we'll get to it as as we go obviously but it's about looking after how do we get those late developers to keep playing and then to to try and make sure that their level is is as as high as the early developers in a couple of years time it's just a real it's a it's a quandary for those fellas to see how you can get the the very best out of them over a long period of time as well obviously
1: yeah it's a tricky one because ultimately like they they're lagging they can be lagging behind like for example just to give you a couple of case study examples we had like an example one development squads where you had a player who was at 100% of his adult height and he was maybe ni- he was 95 kilos so obviously he was he was a, a big boy and then we had someone who was 35 or 36 kilos and he was at uh 87% of his adult height so in other words like you had one guy who was for want of a better word almost cooked in relation to height wise mm. he was he was you know he had a but bio- he had a biological age so he he had a body age, for want of a better word, of um, eighteen years of age. So he was mm. fourteen by date of birth, but he was actually eighteen from a right. from a, a body perspective. And then this other guy was maybe 12 and a half. So like there was almost six years of a difference between two these two guys, and they were on the same they're in the same squad. Mm. So like there's like going back to your scenario, there it is a bit of a it's a kind of a tricky one for for coaches to to to, to challenge or to manage that because in all fairness to the coaches and we spoke about these players were that they they really saw the potential in the the less the, the late maturing player they obviously had to mind him they were hurt like very much uh, trying to keep him in the system mm. but it was probably easier almost to keep the more the advanced maturing guy in the system because he he was able to maybe perform better in games and so on. Mm. And so like it it the, the scenario between development and current per- performance and potential is is a tricky one at times and that's kind of one or two of the other studies we're looking at our yeah. our, co- our coaches basically um what what are they are they rating the early maturing guys as the as the better players which they they have in other sports versus maybe the later maturing guys you know
0: mm-hmm. yeah and it's difficult obviously that's that's very hard to predict what what a fellow is going to turn into Fiona you mentioned just growth sport there earlier as as probably layman's terms for it but. Um, like we've all heard of a growth sport and you know and and roughly when it occurs in 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 boys versus girls what what does it mean kind of physically if you're somebody that's playing basketball or rugby or soccer or Gaelic football like what what are the things that are happening at that stage that would affect their ability to perform and and to play that that you know maybe coaches should be aware of just to just to maybe give people a little break and see what's going on
1: yeah so sometimes it can be maybe obvious for some coaches or parents they might kind of Almost suss it out or figure it out a little bit. But essentially, in a, I'll, I'll compare male and females in a second now. Um, and the female population has probably been under research. It's an area that we're actually quite interested in. And there's a couple of students um, uh, in uh, in MTU that are that I'm supervising this year who are going to look at it in a female perspective, which I'm really interested to see how that works out. But male wise, anyway, you're looking at an, a massive increase in testosterone. Okay. So you're going to have like massive kind of growth basically, and um, all of a sudden. So limbs and extremities like are going to grow at different rates, which potentially can lead to like clumsiness, loss, loss of coordination. um, Like that whole kind of bambi legs type of idea can be quite common. So normally what happens is they stretch first and then they fill out. So you often hear that about what, what actually, oh, this guy is after filling out a load in the last six months. So normally the peak height velocity, which is the, the big growth spurt, comes first and after that quite soon within a few months um, is, is peak weight velocity. So you'll, you'll see them filling out a lot. Um. then internally you think like obviously all their organs their hearts their lungs they're all increasing in size but like a lot of these occur at different rates in different times so there's a lot of changes going on in the body and you're, you're, you're i suppose the risk of injury is uh, increased an awful lot There can be a huge increase in strength and endurance but it, it doesn't necessarily always translate to uh, good performance straight away so mm. that might if i'm saying to you that everyone's increasing testosterone your first kind of thing thing might be sure that's brilliant Mm. It, it it does, when it levels out, it's normally quite good. But what, what some of the research suggests, so some of Sh- uh, Sean's uh, previous uh, PhD students and Megan Hill uh, looked at coach perceptions and found basically in Southampton that from, from assessing their maturation over a few years, that players players going through their growth spurt, coaches actually rated them um, significantly less on their match grades during those periods of time right. and without necessarily knowing. So in other words, they probably weren't performing as well. Yeah. And that that wasn't necessarily, the coach didn't necessarily know what was going on maybe. But mm. So that's that's one aspect, which is really, really important, I think, yeah. to note, especially when we're talking about your under 14, 15 level kind of a thing. Um, another one is the injury risk. David Shanson, um, who's at Bournemouth and now at West Ham, he's done some lovely research on tracking over a number of years, a lot of the academy players. And basically what he found was players going through their growth spurt had a massive in, uh, there was a massive spike in injuries. So growth, growth-related injuries. Um, things like maybe your Asger Schladers, your your Severus injuries, a lot of these type of injuries that are, are related or connected with, with growth are, are huge around then. And this and the second thing actually interestingly was which we might talk about towards the end and, and solutions to some of this, is they actually ran an intervention then where they pull some of these players and they reduce their training load a little bit while going through the growth spurt which didn't really have a huge difference on how they performed or anything, but ultimately their uh, risk of injury or the injury rates decreased significantly. So in other words, like training everyone at the same level while some are gone through the growth spurt is probably a little bit unfair on those who are in the middle of it, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. And then the flip side of it is the female female population. So like what you see a lot, uh, particularly at schools level and, you know, in sports all over, all over the country would be that males and females play together a lot up to maybe about Maybe 11, 12 years of age.
0: Yeah.
1: And one of the reasons why that, why that, why it tends to drift away a little bit at times is because when they go through puberty, very different changes occur. So, females, estrogen obviously would be, would be, would be the big hormone there that would, would um, accelerate. And essentially, their, their kind of hips widen, they potentially increase their, their body fat and so on. So, the changes that occur in a female are, are a bit different than a male. And that has an effect on things like strength, speed, power. So funnily enough, in some sports you may actually see an increase in late maturing players, um fr- from the from from puberty basically, as opposed to uh, early maturing, because the, some of the effects of growth sport maybe cause them to to decrease in some of the the stuff I was on okay. about there.
0: Okay, yeah, and like I just, I, so basically, I, I I just made a note there, man. I've, I've like growth your growth sport really, you know, will probably lead to a, a decrease in performance. Is that is that a, is that too wide a statement just based on what you were quoting there?
1: Um, no, I don't think it's totally too, but I, I would say it's it's different for everyone. Okay, okay. I suppose the, the most important thing would be to that like a, a very simple message for coaches would be if you're seeing a a, a rapid enough decrease in performance, right? It, it should be a consideration That's and right. fact factor that in with the likes of like let's just say a male, for example, if you see a guy all of a sudden like shooting up and then all of a sudden I don't know, hair all over it, facial hair and, you yeah, know, yeah, fill out, yeah. filling out a lot of the, the signs that we probably associate with puberty. Like you're, you're probably very likely looking at that. Like yeah. physios, that if, if they're going to physios with niggles and stuff at times, those kind of, a lot of those, uh, we'll say signs can can lead to maybe understanding a little bit more about it, but it's actually very easily understood if you're actually measuring it, which which is, is what I would have spoken about earlier. like
0: And again, just to repeat it. So you're talking about girls kind of from around 12 and a half
1: yeah around 12ish maybe and female and males then closer to 14 um so they basically have females go through it go through um go through menarch earlier and stuff like that whereas male and 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 obviously we know that like sexual maturation wise that it's very different that that goes on in the male and female body so that all has an effect in relation to performance like
0: yeah it's just interesting like that those ages obviously are are the ages that a lot of you know, like you're getting a lot of people dropping out of sport. Obviously, at those at those different ages as well. So it's it's just something to it's something that coaches obviously they've got so much to do, man. Preparing sessions and making sure they get kids in the field. Um, and it's just something to be aware of that is obviously obviously has a dramatic effect on on people of of fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, or, or younger for for girls. It's just it's a huge time in their lives. Obviously, physically, that that maybe we're not as conscious of as we probably should be.
1: Yeah, exactly, and I think in the female population, particularly, like there's obviously a huge link with like body image and and the changes yeah. that go on there from puberty. So I think that that that's also an important consideration. But I think that conversation is is like is, is in a better place now. And I think there's a lot, like there's there's a huge momentum behind um what's going on. But just I suppose to to explain to coaches that obviously first of all. Boys and girls aren't mini adults, which a lot of the time people might think. And the second yeah. part of it is that boys and girls and anyone who has sons and daughters will probably be able to understand that better than anyone.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, you spoke about uh measuring it or or monitoring it, and 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 obviously not every club or um underage coach is gonna have the ability to actually measure this and actually track it and see where where kids are along that that kind of predicted growth. Um where what's what kind of mechanisms are you using, or, or what are you looking at with the squads and different things to to track that?
1: Okay, so like basically the goal standard for this is is uh, what we call um like you looking at skeletal age, which we'll say some of the Premier League clubs might have it, or the ones at real events where you take a uh, a wrist X ray and based off uh, the um reading the bone scenario there, the bone growth you can estimate ex- exactly where they're at. So my quirk is fourteen years of age, but biologically he's coming in at 15 and a half. So he's, you know, that kind of a scenario, yeah. Yeah. but we use a, a non-invasive one, which is basically we, we take the player's height and weight. Um, and then we basically get their parents, both their parents' heights and their estimated parents' heights. Sorry, they're self-reported. So they would fill out like say an online form and we can, we can kind of manipulate that a little bit to, to allow for parents who might overestimate or underestimate their own height based on them Okay. and johnny or whoever so that so that's one set. so that's how we use it and i'm happy to share any of that kind of um those uh formulas we use and so on it's it's, it's relatively straightforward and, and kind of um organized from that point of view but like even away from using that i think the parents perspective brings the genetic component into it so one part i haven't probably alluded to too much is that like they say about 80 percent of maturation is connected with with genetics okay so essentially both relative age-wise, as you said, when parents are given out to the midwife about when when the child is born. So the relative age one and the biological maturation scenario, they're both very much connected to parents. So you, you like I often make the joke to kids, you can blame your parents for nearly everything. Yeah. Um so so that's that's kind of a that's kind of another factor um in relation to that as well. Yeah. But even tracking height and weight, like you don't need to be a rocket scientist or you don't need to be any crazy scientist from that perspective um tracking height, height and weight over a period of time like that's just growth rate like very simply you've, and if you're seeing rapid enough increases so normally we're looking at it maybe every three months or six months anything at all to track it at all is is, is quite useful mm. um but but i, I don't know is that answering your question like i can go i can talk about maturation or sorry about measuring as long as you want there but um like it, it you can eyeball it but it's you'd want to be a lot more experienced in understanding maturity and in, like I'm only scratching the surface on it today. Yeah. Now, like, but um, the, the the most accurate way, without a doubt, is is measuring, and that allows you to inform it. Because I'll give you examples, like in the development squads, and we, we let's say we assess 250 players, and we looked at them over the last maybe two years. You're you're going to see players who are actually we'll say at 99% of their predicted adult height, so they're almost they're almost at their adult height. At maybe 14 or 15 but they may not necessarily be the tallest players in the team at all and you might have guys who are really tall at the at the latter stage or down in the late the on time or later maturing stage and they actually may have a huge uh, potential for growth yet. yeah so like it, it, it it's it's a bit sometimes it's a bit um naive to say just big and small people yeah, might yeah. talk about it in that language like but
0: you can blame mom and dad again for that like be
1: very, very much part of a lot of it absolutely percent. Like yeah, yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, and 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 yeah, I, I like that presentation I was watching. Uh, Des Ryan was speaking about. Um, was it Balintellig or, or a club in Cork that were that were looking at at um, at doing this themselves as well and kind of keeping track of it?
1: Yeah, exactly. Very similarly, Ian Jones. Um, he he was uh, out in America for a couple of years and he's come back and he's doing great work down there. And basically, very similar to our own, they they looked at it from a club level. I suppose, like and Stone, from my understanding, would be a big enough club. And um, but they would have found similar enough. Um, uh, probably not as strong in effect. But I mean, that at a club level, it still was still quite significant. So in other words, there was maturity biases. Um, was were, were present there at at um, in a club context, which is really really interesting. And I think that's an area that would would warrant like I, I've looked at kind of potentially maybe doing a bit of research at club level, at different level, at different gra- grades almost. So you might have a Division One, under fourteen team and a Division five under 14 team and seeing what the differences that occur there that that'd be I think that's it would be a quite cool area to look at mm. but once again like without even going down the research route very easy for clubs to do a lot of this as well if they're if they're interested um so that that is um yeah that it's the club level is the interesting one because we know that like we'll say as you spoke about development squads earlier they're still only involved for a select or a short period of time in the season so it's the, it's the schools and the clubs I think the schools have a key role as well mm. the clubs and schools to me are the really really important one and actually did a uh, coach education kind of um, workshop there a couple of weeks ago with club coaches, and the feedback was super, really, really interested. They were really engaged, and they had some really good questions. So, like, one of, one of the things that came out of the development squad um, uh, interviews and focus groups of coaches afterwards around the results, they were extremely, um, like, open to a lot of this. They wanted more knowledge, and or they wanted more information on this. They, they literally were really into this, but what they... But the one of the things that they said was potentially that the selection biases are already pre um fed or are are connected with with club coaches in some way because mm. often club coaches send their three or four best players to the trials mm-hmm. and then you have your three or four best players and you've I don't know hundred players maybe in trials or whatever it is over a period of time but, but what we love to look at is actually the players that are coming to the trials I suspect that maybe the the pool of players coming to the trials is is already potentially. Um, biased towards early maturing players, mm-hmm. which is which is started by the club players because you know inevitably your your club coach sends his three or four best players who possibly are the guys who are the early maturing guys and and yeah. running the show for want of a better word like you know so yeah you, basically what it looks like Mike in in this from what we've seen in this is that and similar to soccer and other sports that you need to be extremely um you, you need to be really good and and really determined and you need to have something special if you're a late maturing player okay. Yeah. Or you need to have coaches who are really open to uh, keeping the net wide and so on. And in fairness, the coaches, when we kind of showed some this information back to them, um, we'd say the second year there there was there was a lot of kind of you know a lot of interest in it from their end, and they were definitely thinking about it a little bit differently, which which was interesting. Like, and they were Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And look, like like you're not breaking any any um any serious news there, saying if 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 you're an early mature you are advantaged in 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 terms of being selected for these squads and and different things but like what what would be very interesting is to see how many of those guys you know are still there 10 or 15 years later playing at senior in the county level or playing international sport or whatever their chosen field is um and like did the challenges that they were facing meet you know what they needed at that time. It's it's obviously there is no answer yet obviously but it, it would be fascinating to look at that on a on a really long term kind of a thing because um like for coaches listen to this now and like yeah if you're so if you're 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 a guy who's a late mature, you're you're not as you're not as strong as the rest of them, how do we keep them playing and how, how do we keep them engaged? Like that that research that I, I mentioned there from Des or Ryan or who, whoever carried it out in Bishopstown, there was two Ian of them. Uh, sorry, There was two of the age groups, two of the older age groups had zero. If I'm if I'm remembering correctly, had zero late maturers in their like 15s and 17s age brackets or something like that. So zero boys who were late maturers were still playing football for that club, or maybe it was hurling and football by the time they were 15 and 17. Like that's that would be a problem, obviously, for, for you know for us looking at it as coaches
1: hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's a question I don't have the answer to straight out. We need to, we need to look at that a little bit more, but it it looks like, because to me, it looks like potentially that when puberty kicks in, particularly that, and especially with, with teams where there's, there's more of a pick, you know what I mean? Where there's, where there's a bigger selection pick that, coaches potentially are biasing those players who are early maturing or on time you know not the late maturing guys anyway and as a result they're being squeezed out or maybe they go off into other sports which is which would be great if that was the case but like i i think maybe the dropout research suggests maybe not they're they're potentially slipping away and going off elsewhere um so yeah so i i can't answer that fully but i suppose you'd be kind of anecdotally suggesting that that might be the case just on that actually rob rob mulcahy um Who's from Chile, he's actually he working, he's worked with Claire, but he's doing a mm. PhD and that transition rate, which is going to be quite interesting. So in the next few years, I think he'll have some good stuff out on that. But the idea of 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 tracking uh youth will say success to senior level. So from a development squad point of view. Mm. Um, and basically there, I don't think there's anything being done really in a GA or Irish context too much, as far as I know, anyway, in, in GA context. and um, but in other sports it tends to be quite poor. So in other words, the the the, the potential superstars basically at youth level their conversion to senior level is the the um I I don't think the, the statistics are too high on, on what yeah. happens there. So that's yeah. like that'll be interesting to see what happens there.
0: Yeah that would be fascinating because we've all like we all anecdotally like we've all seen the guys that are dominant at, at under twelve under 14s and and Suddenly they start to dwindle away a little bit. And and it is those guys maybe who are late developers who nobody thought much of at under 12s or 14s, suddenly are the guys that are you know carrying the show at 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 senior or or, or beyond, you know, which uh, would be interesting.
1: Not that we go into this debate about minor or anything, but like the more I look at this as time goes along, it actually adds another layer of intrigue or importance, I think, to the idea of maybe exploring the under 18 bracket idea again, because ultimately if you're cutting it off at under 17. You're you're nearly making it easier again for players to drop out, mm-hmm. particularly because maturity it's it's normally starting to kind of ease off a little bit around then, but it's easing off even more again at 18s. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it's been cut, if the clot has been cut at 17s, almost not cut, but uh, that there's another gap between that and 19. So I I think the maturity factor is actually something that should come into the debate around this as well. You know,
0: yeah, yeah, like and and even again, like the 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 minor carry minor management of the previous uh uh James Costello and the lads that were involved, they obviously would have had two teams undergo due to COVID from a bunch of seventeens and then and, and then the guys that were left over for a a, a following year there were eighteens. And the difference physically that you know between the seventeens and the eighteens was just incomparable that you know they'd say in that in that one year alone you know yeah um, so it is huge it, that is obviously huge, and then like so we're aware obviously that this is a problem and and you're you're now gathering you know gathering the evidence to suggest that this is this is an issue for us what what are what are some of the solutions like if, i I mentioned bio and stuff at the start most people i didn't really have a, much of an idea of what it was. can you give us a bit of a, an idea of what that concept is about really Fionn?
1: Okay. So basically biobending is something that has been done particularly in soccer. It's been done in a number of other sports, but it's grouping players on their stage or their, their in, on biological maturity as opposed to their um their actual chronological age. So in very simple terms, um you're let's say you're we're both under 14. We play normally as, as we do under 14 in our age group, but in a biobended fashion, you might be mixed with a guy who's uh, under sixteen. Um, because you're physically more advanced, or so you're, you're you're working at his level, and he might be a little bit less advanced. So, what what we looked at in Kerry capacity, so there's a number of different studies, and like it's going to take a few years to get a lot. I'm sitting on a lot of data, so to get a lot of this information out. But the the bending was a really interesting project we ran this year for maybe about a month in Kerry, and with with, with two of the squads, the under fourteens, we 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 broke up players into two different bands so basically we worked from 95 percent of um adult height sorry from 88 to 93 percent of adult height and from 94 percent upwards so that might sound a little bit messy and sciencey it's very very simple and straightforward we had all this information from collecting their heights and weights and their parents information and we were able to put them into kind of we call it the first group the 94 plus are a more advanced group Um, they're they're the more mature group they're closer to their final adult height mm-hmm. so they're more cooked for want of a better word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the other ones are have, have a little have a, a good bit more potential for growth. So we we broke them into those and we did there are for a couple of weeks we did, did a little bit of um small sided games and training and we did we trained in those little groups um and we kind of wanted to see how that would work out. So that was one part. And then what we finished with we did um we played some 15 aside games. So they normally would play each other um in games we'll say carry north and carry south whereas we did it this in this way we did it actually in a in a 15 aside. Um we call it less mature game and a more, okay. more advanced maturity game. And like there I suppose we realistically I, I I knew what came out of it in soccer, but we, we didn't really know what was going to come out of it here. There it was a it wasn't a shot in the dark, but it was it was almost to see how this would unfold. But it was extremely interesting what, what happened because um we we got players and coaches feedback. and um, there was also two students, um John Blake from Kerry was looking at it from a from a technical perspective and tactical so videoing the games and seeing what differences from that and, and normal games. Was so there any differences in, right. in that? And then um another um student, uh, Hugh from Clare uh, from Cork, was actually looking at it, Hugh O'Neill, on in a in a psychosocial perspective. So they would have done some psychosocial questionnaires before and after. But the interesting part, I suppose, was what we got from players and coaches uh, around that. So I, I don't know. Do you want to kind of go into the findings or what we yeah, found yeah. there? Yeah, yeah um, sure. Man. So so basically, player like. Players loved it. Um, by and large, I mean we we, we looked. We had our late maturing and our we call them our early maturing players. I'm mean, calling them late maturing, but there was there's no late maturing players in the system. They're the less mature. We call them right. So the, the first of all, the late maturing guys said this is brilliant. So essentially, like normally, I'm playing corner forward and I don't get any ball in the game. And if I do, I I can't. All the big guys are running the show, and uh, basically, I, I can't. I can't really do what I was able to do today. So mm-hmm. I was able to take on men. The, the, the link play between our games is brilliant. So like there was a number of themes that kind of came out and this is just very anecdotal at the moment because I, I need to completely go through, um, go through it from an analysis point of view, but like skill wise, there was a noticeable difference in skill in the late maturing game. So, that so I suppose th- there was an awful lot more passing interlink play communication with those players. Um, the, the physical aspect was taken out of the game. So in other words, the, it, it was at a, a way more appropriate and mature level. So everyone was like, I'm playing against, I'm marking a guy who's kind of at my own level or my own grade. um, So so that, so that there were some of the kind of ideas from their perspective and they, and they just found it a really positive experience. They're like, it actually arms me more. Now when I go back training with the, with the full group next week, I feel more confident and I definitely kind of, it, it's made me think that way. The early maturing players and the opposite end, who were normally the big guys that were, were controlling mm-hmm. the game, they found it really, uh, really, really difficult. To, some of the kind of quotes were like, I I haven't played in as hard a game in, in, in I don't know how long. I, I couldn't run through the middle anymore. We t- there, Every time I got the ball, there was someone on me. um, mm-hmm. Like I couldn't kick the ball. like So this kind of side of the thing. So the physical aspect was one. Then they were finding it like tactically that they were struggling a little bit more at times. And this is not ever in anyone, but it's just a, kind of a, as a general the feedback yeah. from maybe talking to maybe eight to 10 of these players from either group. Um and and they were agreeing with each other like for thirteen year olds they're extremely articulate it was probably my favorite part of the PhD so far where I'll talk about the coaches in a second but getting their viewpoint and they knew very little about this they just for for all the world they they thought they were playing normal games like mm-hmm. um but um yeah so that was the kind of stuff that came out of it and I and then I thought they might be a little bit negative about it because obviously this is something different and they're not able to be the star of the show and mm-hmm. they said no this makes me kind of think about my game now when I go back um next week and. And have to change a little bit but interestingly enough before that they had both played normal games so the normal traditional under 14 games you'll say a few weeks previous to that and i got both teams and rather than their names i took out their names and i put their percentage of adult height in what we found was basically which isn't surprising all of the 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 most physically or the most mature players were all down the middle so your fullback your center back your midfielders they were all the the most mature guys whereas that's the thing about bio-banning. It, it took a lot of this out so they were mm-hmm. all in different positions that they weren't able to kind of maybe be as central or da- or dominating mm-hmm. from that perspective mm-hmm. and then the second thing was coaches which is probably the aim of my PhD at the start was all around coaches because when I spoke a lot about this maturity idea today and all, ultimately players have very little control over what goes on in relation to selection of teams making a team and all yeah of course, you can say they need to play well and to make it, but coaches are the are the deciding factors and all this. So I wanted to see, could we support them in any way? They really enjoyed it. So like right. coaches who had maybe found guys originally who they maybe thought may not be up to the standard mm. um, or were struggling a lot, they really excelled. They saw them from a different light in the kind of late maturing group, we'll say. Um, and then from a, from a by-banding group, uh, the more advanced guys, they found the obviously the players found it the going a lot tougher and coaches saw it from a different angle too. So mm. they actually, some of them like in the second half of all games were given specific instructions. Okay. Not trying to solo the ball, for example, right. you know, so, so just no, nothing, nothing very, very simple, uh, straightforward stuff. So essentially, like in case anyone's confused here, it was just normal football games. They were mm. just put in a more appropriate, mature, appropriate environment and it just allowed the players to experience something different and a different challenge, a more appropriate challenge. And it allowed the coaches to maybe, you know, reorientate their viewpoint a little bit on players and to see them from a, li- a different light. And then they went back in training like normal the following weeks. But after that, when I went away for a few weeks, coaches still use the by bending quite a bit at times right. in, in drills, for example. And they use it in their own kind of creative ways. But um, yeah, so there's definitely potential there for sure. Like this is a very early days and just to trial it out. But like it, it was, it, it, it sounded like a lot of work uh, before we started it, but it, it wasn't when we got into it. And I think, um, both benefited, both players and coaches. So it was a, a positive experience anyway. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And now it does, it does sound like for, for, I'm, I'm thinking of club people now who are, who are looking at this and obviously you're speaking about a GA context, but this is those, those 14 year olds are, are playing basketball and they're playing soccer and they're playing everything just the same as, as, uh, as they are in the GA. But um, I, I'm just thinking of, of like, how that how that would how that would work to the benefit of those players like if i'm if I'm the guy who who is the early mature, I'm more physically developed and um and I'm playing in a game at center back or midfield and I'm dominating that game, and now suddenly I'm maybe playing against a guy now I'm fourteen and now suddenly I'm playing against a guy maybe who's sixteen who's not as physically developed, but is a match for me no that's a completely different challenge for for my game and i and I have to try and improve that's going to improve me as a player because I'm playing against somebody who's a physical match and and I've got to develop my game a little bit more and the same on the other side for the fellows who struggle maybe physically with the guys that they're marking against now they have a chance to to play ball and and, and to play guys that are at are at their level as well it's it's it, it makes
1: sense obviously yeah 100% and like suppose some of the kind of considerations previous here like is this all just based on physical people have asked like can you can you um bend on, on, on like psychological maturation, all that side of it? But I mean, they're actually getting an, an alternative psychological challenge by doing this. Mm-hmm. So like, let's say they're not being psychologically challenged, for example, in for the early maturing guys in their normal age groups, they're probably getting a serious psychological testing. Mm-hmm. And some people might say it might be too harsh at times, but you're giving a little bit of both. Whereas the, mm-hmm. the late maturing guy, who's probably day in, day out, week in, week out, getting this, this challenge we'll want to if we want to call it that. Mm. He's now finding it going, you know, a little bit easier. And it's good for his confidence that he's able to kind of uh we'll say, you know, expand out a little bit his game and and and, and do things that he normally can't do. Like so that, yeah. so it's 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 interesting from both ends. And just as well as a point to make and it's, it's not about like changing the game into this all all by band or anything. This is something that's used as a kind of an alternative tool every so often so like for me it was like maybe once a month i think going forward it would be a really useful tool for mm. for players and coaches and that's the way they use it in england as well in the premier league scenario they might do like one week every month where they drip feed some banding work and they do it and they do it in the gym as well and they do it at, at different levels so that's another area that uh, something that i'm kind of interested in myself on a side note to to look at maybe the physical development from more a maturity perspective as opposed to generic like everyone does the same thing mm. which is which is ridiculous if you come if you if you give the scenario I had earlier of like one guy who's biological age of eighteen and one guy who's twelve and a half and they're in the same team. Yeah, so you're, you're you're comparing a grown man with a, you know, with a, a with child a basically. Yeah. So yeah. um, so that's yeah, and, an important. And thinking just
0: thinking about it, there, Fionn, like you know, we all probably would have done at different stages. If you were playing, you know, if you were on the age at under fourteen, you probably would have played with the under you know, 16 B's or the, you know, under 16 yeah, yeah. team, if you had it yourself, like, I mean, there's always, there has been kind of conflicting reports that that's something that clubs should do or clubs shouldn't do. Um, but like, really like listening, listening to the stuff here, there isn't really a whole pile of, no, I know there's different circumstances in terms of maybe if people aren't ready for that, but if people are ready for that physically, there probably isn't a whole pile wrong with 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 doing that.
1: No, no, like, I mean, like, just give an example. Let's say, and I, I can just think, and you can as well, and everyone I'd say even listening can probably relate to this. You can think of players like at 14, 15, those kind of, we call it the the growth sport ages, you know, mm. those those typical ones. Like guys who are way more advanced, who are, who are running the show at those age groups at, at a particular age. Like what challenge are they getting? Do you know mm. what I mean? The, like what benefit it is for them being like midfield and, you know, plowing through the middle and running the show there. So I think it's good for them. I suppose the only thing I would add to this, which is another kind of another uh, opening of Worms, is that if it's done in the right way, like so that they're not training loads of extra. The problem, I suppose, in the in the past with these superstar guys is that they've been done that. They've been doing this, playing at all the other age groups, but they've been doing everything. So they've been mm-hmm. flogged and that's where the, they come to 18 and their bodies are absolutely goosed or they get to 20 or whatever. And that would be the one kind of proviso. So I'd be all for the idea of playing up or playing down. And I think it's a really simple strategy to employ by mm. by by clubs or by coaches at club level um but it, it has to be done that you're not adding a significant more awesome. training load to it like yeah yeah
0: yeah, yeah but, but smartly,
1: very well like yeah done once it's done smartly i think it's an absolute no-brainer to be honest yeah
0: yeah, yeah. and like it's it's almost like um it's it's i suppose it's it's bio-bending without 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 knowing exactly what we're doing, yeah, yeah, you know, it's been going on for years and years and years. Once, once, like you said, the kid isn't getting flogged. It's probably a very positive thing for their development to go up and get a taste of of dealing with go- those kids in that other age group physically, and and uh, obviously the pace of the game and different things as well.
1: I think so, and like as you as you said, even other aspects like tactical awareness, the kind of leadership mm-hmm. skills, the communication, the the kind of psychological skills that like so they might have the body of an eighteen year old, but they might have the mind of a you know so. It's, it's it's looking at it from different levels um and and it might be that sometimes you might feel that a guy actually isn't physically huge but actually it might be good from a psychological challenge perspective as well mm-hmm. so so like I, I think i think you can be fluid enough on how you do this but mm-hmm. i suppose what we're talking about in general here is is maturity and different rates and looking at kind of optimal challenges at different stages so yeah. we're not saying get rid of age groups or anything like that because that would just that's not the scenario but it's to kind of like doing the same thing over and over again for the same age groups is probably it's probably not really that beneficial for you or yeah. for the player. Really, like you know,
0: yeah. Um, and it's look, I I think this whole area is is, is fascinating, and I, I like we we've all been kind of aware of these kind of scenarios, but it's just it's nice to have it's nice to have some kind of um, you know quantitative data that somebody is looking at to to really back it up and some research. But for coaches, then, Fionn, like I'm conscious now that people are listening here and they're saying, OK, well, how does this impact me? Or, or if I'm somebody that's coaching in this age group, like how, how do how, how can I how can I help my players or how can I help my club to make sure that these guys who are maybe not as developed as everybody else as quickly? How can I keep them playing? How can I challenge the guys who are the early developers? What can I do from this conversation? What can I do that will help them moving forward?
1: yeah like that's kind of a how long is a piece of string question but i suppose basically (laughs) right the the gist of it the gist of it i would say is that like if you're not acknowledging this kind of whole concept of growth and maturation whilst working with this cohort of players or that those kind of age groups you're potentially doing a big disservice to those players so like you're you're like it is it is a significant factor not with every player it can be different and and like that's why everyone is different but I suppose if you're, you know, going along the idea of a player-centered approach, okay, very much individual-centered, and that's the kind of idea of modern good coaching and so on. This has to be factored in. Mm-hmm. So thinking long term, Mike, is probably one of the big ones, really. Like if you can measure, obviously, that's fantastic. But without that, having a little bit of an understanding of the maybe upskilling a little bit more, hopefully, like I'll get a lot more of this information out over the next few years. But um, I think you need to think long term. Okay, you need like rather than short term. And that's the problem I think with a lot of the even professional sports across the water, like effectively, scouts are still picking the most early mat- or sorry, picking early maturing players, and they're still having the same problems with all the money and resources and so on they have. So it's like, look, it's the I suppose are, we have a kind of a, a bias naturally enough towards uh, someone who's performing on any given day, and that's the big one I suppose. Like I actually use a slide at times where the picture of the iceberg and the and the the underneath the iceberg and the top of the iceberg and kind of. What you see at the outside is probably only a small part, and that's the performance part. Underneath is what's going on over the next couple of years or what's going on in the body from a biological age perspective. So like that's the one I use with coaches a lot. Like knowing about where, where the player is at in their stage of maturity can definitely help you that help you that way. Um I probably have gone slightly off on tangent there, but like how how can this help coaches? I would say acknowledging kind of the effect of growth, growth and maturation for sure. And realizing that maturity will wear off. It's for a couple of years. It's like it it varies, but like it's, it's going to be maybe roughly from maybe 13 to 16 are going to be the big ages for that. But that is where we lose a lot of players as well. Mm -hmm. So like trying to keep them involved. Like there's, there's two scenarios here that we've kind of talked a little bit about. We've talked about club players and participation and all, which is Mm. ultimately the aim of the game for, for keeping as many involved as possible, but the other aspect then is performance. So in other words, talented players who you're looking at maybe playing with their county or playing whatever other sport it is at a, high, a very high level. Well, you like you need to be able to challenge those players accordingly along the way as well. So you've you've two different kind of um, types of people to try and keep uh, keep happy there. Like, but um, I don't know, is that answering it kind of well enough for you? And yeah, line?
0: no, no. I like I, I'm just I'm conscious of the guys, like you know. Danny, he like I, I don't think Kieran would have would have would have played football at a very high level at your your twelve or fourteens. So now he was still probably a bigger kid, but um I, I, I'm just trying to think of these kind of fellas. I, I I'm very conscious that like you said it there, we don't know at thirteen or fourteen or fifteen who are the guys that are gonna play with with your club at senior level and certainly don't know the guys that are going to play at Inter county or are going to play international basketball or international rugby. We just, we just don't know. You, you can, you can have a fair idea and you can be looking at the guy, kids that are dominant in that age group. But realistically, from what you're telling us, we really, we really don't know until, until everybody's maturation rate evens out and, and we get an even picture of looking at everybody. Then, then that's when the, you know, so 16 years of age, 17 years, that's when we'll actually have a better idea really as opposed to, Looking at Johnny at 13 or 14, saying this guy is gonna bring us all the way to wherever.
1: Yeah, like as you said, there like it's it's still very hard to predict. And we I try to do this with some of the coaches about like who at 16 who might make it to senior level. And it's still so hard to predict, as you said. Mm. But like as it they go a little bit as it get goes a little bit more down the pathway, you have a better chance of predicting. But at 13, 14, like I would my big advice would be just be really careful as regards selecting, keep it wide, keep everyone like consider or or realize that this is probably going to be a big factor for some of them okay and it's going to have an effect on their performance um like even how you deal with players in those scenarios do you give the early maturing guys a different uh challenge do you get them to even if they're still playing in their normal age groups do you get them to i don't know use less plays put them in a different position uh challenge them like a little bit differently from that point of view um and you know, coax and keep those late maturing guys in, involved as as best you can. I think I'm gonna even another few years have this conversation, but you, I think I'd probably be able to even answer that a little bit better now. But um, like, there's no silver silver bullet answer to to be straight out about yeah. it. Like, you know, you yeah. have to use your own. Like, the biggest message I suppose is to be very much based to have very much a kind of a long term um uh, development type of a philosophy. If you have that, I think then that you're you're going to allow for variation in maturity levels. Whereas if you're about, you know, the next game and today and tomorrow, then you, like that's that's where where a lot of the problems occurred at these age groups, like you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and like you you just said there like roughly between thirteen and sixteen, like if we're involved in coaching kids at that between those age groups, we just don't we, we, we don't know obviously if we're if we're tracking their hiding different things and we, we have an idea, but we just don't know where they are in terms of 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 that kind of growth sport there so it's just it's probably just so important obviously to have an awareness of it and and if if we can just keep those kids playing as long as we possibly can because we have no idea that that uncoordinated kid who who is you know struggling to solo or struggling to shoot the ball or struggling to make a pass or a catch whatever it might be if we can just keep them engaged and keep them going and improving you just don't know when that thing levels out at fifteen and sixteen years of age how how good that person can be if this if they stay at the game and that's probably it's definitely you know it is an area that we're losing a lot of players there's no there's no question about that and it's it's something obviously that, that coaches need to be more aware of than than we are I suppose
1: hundred percent like and if you are actually if you were monitoring for argument's sake and you you were taking even something like height and weight like you you can look at modifying training like if you see that as you said, if someone is going like coordination wise is struggling enough, like, it's it's not that hard to modify their training, you know, like mm. take parts of the the harder part of training out of it, work more on the skill, the technical aspects that like without going into the, all the solutions and some of the ways that we'd, we'd work with people um, at varying levels here. That's some of it identifying injuries. Like if your players are picking up, um you know, niggle injuries, so on that are kind of connected with the likes of ankles, knees and so on, that, like they're very likely related to growth related, um, you know, parts of growth and so on. Um, some of this information can be very useful in relation to decision making for coaches too, like even involved in picking teams and so on. Mm. Okay, I, I I would say like you know, trying to trying to understand a little bit maybe where these players might be at in their stage of development, and that that can help a little bit as well, like for sure.
0: Mm. Yeah, and like it's not it's not that you know clubs are going to go out tomorrow and they're not going to pick their big strong. You know, guys that are playing the best at the age group, of course they are, and that's and that's that's understandable, and everybody's going to do that. But it's just to probably, like you've mentioned a couple of times, have 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 a better awareness of of those other kids who who may be those late developers or, or late matures. I, I think that's just a. I, I think it's a really important point. I, I. I don't know. I. I. I know we're still going to look at these guys tomorrow morning at 14 years of age and saying, "Jesus, that guy is wow! Look at him. He's so powerful. He's. He's brilliant. Yeah. He's dominating this." But it it's it's to keep those other guys going, and then obviously to find a challenge for those fellows and whether it's whether it's biobanding and and having having those guys set a challenge that that's at their level, whether they're playing up against the you know some of the under fifteen guys who are the, the later matures i I think there's a lot in that 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 could really challenge everybody if you if you do it properly and put a bit of thought into it
1: yeah, absolutely, and I think on that that you're making Mike I suppose the, like a, a big message is like why reward the early maturing player? for their like as i said the genetic lottery of being mm. more advanced in their physical attributes because we know and we can see that long term it probably does them no favors mm. um short term it might do them a little bit but like long term it'll probably do them no favors so so like that's and that's a, a really important point to make like that like why, why would you why would you allow that like you're probably going to do them a disservice when they get to you know their their older age groups anyway like um a
0: genetic lottery i like that uh,
1: yeah well it is like it's what it is because i mean they have no control over it um and they i used to have a nice uh, analogy in one of my presentations around popcorn and the way it develops at different rates and levels and like every child has their opportunity for the popcorn or for or popcorn will pop at its own level basically and that's the same with, with players and so on so that will that'll kind of um that'll level out as as they go as they get a little bit older and so on for sure like um, I, saw the, but, I saw the
0: popcorn one. Yeah, same heat, same oil, same yeah, temperature, and yeah. they're all they're all popping at different rates. Yeah, it's, it it makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, and like and, and that is that is basically one of the kind of I suppose the big messages really there really.
0: Yeah, yeah, Fion, I, I I'm appreciative of your time, man, and I don't want to I don't want to delay you much longer. Is there is there anything is there any one point, Fion, that just to kind of uh, no, it's a hard area to to go and encapsulate in in uh, a statement, but. Is there anything there now that we haven't touched on that you think is very important, man, that we, that we maybe highlight before we finish?
1: Um, Like, to be honest, there's loads. We could be chatting about this for hours, but, I mean, that's the kind of the general gist of it. I think it's probably important. Like, I, I had three kind of main uh, targets with this in relation to maybe helping coaches. Number one was to increase awareness um, at, at club and, and kind of county level. And, by the way, just to kind of make this point as well, is that this is re- relevant to a number of different other sports because more than likely your early and late maturing players that I'm on about here in say I'm, I'm just looking at Gaelic football they're also the same guys that are playing soccer and basketball mm. and probably a lot of the other ones so the likes of athletics is an interesting one um as well so 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 it's 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 uh it's relevant to, to a lot of these sports like and mm-hmm. um, but just thinking long term really I suppose understanding a little bit about a lot of this like is is important but being open-minded and patient um like understanding that you know that this the short term effects here can be you know quite sudden and drastic and severe for these players. But ultimately once they kind of get through this, then it's it's an awful lot more of a, a living play a level playing field than I suppose for them. Of course it's not really a level playing field in, in those age groups at, at that given time and it's not there for halt. Yeah. Um so so just kind of keeping that in mind, I suppose really like yeah.
0: You you said you had three things you had increasing awareness. Did you give me the yeah.
1: two the second one was 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 monitoring. Okay. So like so it was was actually monitoring because as much as I've spoken about, like even at a club level, um, maybe estimating and and understanding a bit more, but if you if you monitor, if you if you measure, it's it's really easy from there. And this is not you don't need to be an accountant or anything complicated. If anyone wants to reach out to me afterwards, I can um, most certainly help help in that. It's 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 relatively straightforward. And then thirdly, will be the practices, and we've kind of touched on some of these. So things like buy vending is one example, but like uh, looking at maybe individualizing training, players playing up and down. Maybe identifying if players are getting injured quite a bit, or if they're at a, a, kind of a risk that perspective. So there's a lot of different simple, I would say, low-hanging fruit, um, and yeah. that anyone can do without necessarily having to be, you know, have resort major resources or anything like that.
0: Yeah, which is obviously going to improve the development of of your players, whatever whatever sport that is. Um, yeah. I, I, it's funny, I have. Uh, up upstairs, I measure the kids there every couple of months just for, for the crack, really. Yeah, yeah. But I put them standing against the a, a, a door a, one of the bedroom their bedroom door, and I get a little marker and I mark it and I write in the data, or whatever. I have to cover it with a coat in because their mother will kill me if they uh <laughs> if they see the mark on the door. But um and it's funny, I did it the other day there, and I was I was looking at them from the last time I measured and, and where they are now. Uh, and it's just something, yeah, it's it's an I suppose that's that's it, man. It's an awareness and, and just to keep a very rough kind of track in it. That's and,
1: a that's a great like that's a, just a real simple good exa- good example like very, very good example of that like um it doesn't have to be anything major at all but like if you see anything kind of sudden enough there, based on what you're doing and if you're doing it relatively consistently that's even a, a flat or a flag a red flag mm. for you like you know mm. um so yeah i know anything like that is is definitely a, a useful for sure
0: brilliant fion thanks thanks a million man um yeah, it's late. We're actually doing this at night time for the people that are listening to to try and uh, just catch a catch a break in our schedule. So for the people that are listening again, um, just a reminder that this this is a, a fundraiser, I suppose, for Recovery Haven in Tralee, Uh the people that provide free cancer support services for the people in Kerry and and all around. Um, and again, if you if you uh, if you enjoyed some of the content there or, or last week. You know, I would be very appreciative. I would be very appreciative of of uh, of a donation of any couple of euros to the to the fundraising page that's attached to this and it all goes very much directly to uh, recovery haven. So Fionn, thanks a million for your time, man. I found that fascinating and I'm sure uh, I'm sure coaches will get a lot out of it too.
1: Yeah, no problem. And if anyone like there there's uh, this kind of early enough days in the lot of this research. So if anyone wants to kind of reach out, there's a lot more projects coming later next year. Um from a, a national perspective probably and definitely um kind of locally and stuff as well um so i, I do think that any coaches who just want a little bit more information i'm actually looking at developing a youth a youth program athletic development program myself very much based around maturity levels and so on as well which which i think um so i think there's a lot a lot more that can be kind of um teased out over the next uh over the next while, on this but um yeah thanks again mike and I think, that, as I said, the idea of linking in with a charity is, is a nice touch. So, hopefully, coaches will uh, they find it useful. They'll uh, contribute a couple of up.
0: Brilliant, man. Thanks again for your time, Fiona. Really
1: appreciate it. it. Take it easy, Mike. All right.